going to be on shortly. Uh, he's just finishing up some family stuff. Um, for those tuning in just now, um, it looks like we were having issues. Uh, everything is still recorded, so you can all go back and listen to like the last eight minutes or so. Um, but it just went live, it looked like. Uh, it looks like they're having a little connection issues uh, for uh, streaming live broadcasts. Um, oh, you mean everybody didn't hear all the details about tactics that I just shared? <laughs> yep, they could rewind it, though. That is the, kind of the cool thing. So if you're listening right now, you can kind of rewind it if you want to listen to uh, the first nine minutes. I was in such a hurry, I don't see, I didn't see this uh, little note up top that's saying uh, Blog Talk is having some uh, uh, broadcast issues. But we are officially, I, I guess, live, but the the rest of the show is recorded, so it is not in vain. Um, <laughs> uh, the... Definitely go back and listen to the first like eight minutes or so. Uh, a lot of good uh, details about uh, um, you know Adam's role with Simon uh, and uh, uh, the tournament uh, or not tournament kits, but the game night kits. Um, yeah. Someone did ask. Uh, they want to know, uh, Adam, tea, coffee, or energy drinker? How do you fuel yourself oh. for gaming and running around events? Obviously, coffee. Um, <laughs> straight black coffee, dark roast. So, you know, the darker the roast, the less caffeine. So I'm not a complete caffeine addict, uh, but I definitely go for the coffee. Um, for our uh, English listeners, I have a coffee mug that says, uh, um, how does it go? Darn it, I forgot it now that I'm put on the spot. I can't remember what it says. <laughs> if I think about it, I'll bring it back up. <laughs> Yeah, I coffee is what I I like to drink when I'm uh painting and I'm tired or like when I have yeah. something similar to that and I'm tired, but if um if I'm like at work I know what it was. I know what it says. It says I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh Yeah, I'm not like a huge uh you know, I can definitely drink them like the super like fancy dessert. You know, they're more like dessert, but uh, those type of drinks. But generally, just uh, a little. Just I like French vanilla creamer. I know it has a lot of like fake sugar in there, so I only put a little bit. Yeah. And that's that's all I'll put in my coffee. Um, but if well, I anybody like that who knows, I don't shy away from sugar, but I do shy away from sugar in my coffee. I just <laughs> like the, I like the black and bitter, dark. Um, I don't know something about bitter foods. I love them. Well, yeah, I think uh, you know the more you put in your coffee, the less like like authentic kind of like coffee taste you have. You know, yeah. It's, it's there's definitely something to be said about a nice cup of you know black coffee. Um, yeah, if I'm at work, though, and I need to stay awake, like, you know, because I don't want someone to die or myself to die, <laughs> I need to have, like, a five-hour. Five hours is the only thing that, I can't like, do works long-term. Things. Yeah, yeah they just that make a lot. I, 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 hope, I hope they're you're not sponsored by them or anything, but, man, energy drinks no. of all sorts just make me jittery. You know, I've thought about that. I should get some sponsors, but, no, I don't have any. I'm not cool enough. Uh <laughs> But I don't know, I've been taking five hours for like fifteen years, so now they're they're more like three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've inoculated yourself to the strength. 
Yeah, there's sometimes when I wish I could do that, but it's all, especially when it's hot outside, you know, pounding a black coffee is not exactly the best idea, but uh, I don't know, I just can't yeah. do the, the energy drink. Yeah, like energy drinks, the coffee, I have to like be, you know, I have to, they only keeps me awake in the moment that I'm actually sipping on them. As soon as I'm done with them, they don't work anymore, yeah. like. So I, it's almost like it has to be a slow sip, or else it, uh, you know, it doesn't last very long. But I got um, you. all right, let's see. Next uh, question that we had from people. If anyone's curious about these questions, these are questions that I had uh, posted on the um, Small Council Facebook page. If you're not uh, on that page or a, a part of it in any way, definitely go check it out. I post all our episodes there. I post any updates, any giveaways. Uh, any special shows or questions uh, of topics that people want to hear on there. And uh, I had posted a question about questions they, they wanted to um, ask Adam. Uh, and that's where I'm kind of pulling these from. Uh, the next one is uh, a lot of people are curious about, um, uh, you know, kind of the age-old question of, you know, White Walker faction, Knights of the Vale, uh, any new factions or even uh, um, mini factions or even, I guess, all the way down to anything new, any new units that you're allowed to um, tease or speculate upon? Well, I can't really officially tease anything. Um, I will say on my drive, for those of you who missed the first part, uh, I'm actually in Georgia. Uh, I live in Alabama and drove about four hours over today to do some work in our warehouse and clean up some of the organized play kits and things like that. But uh, on my way over, I was having a discussion with uh, Jim Ludwig, our gracious licensor, um, and we were talking about that very subject. So I think over the span of what you're going to see from Song Tactics and then the continuing awesome support, we have planned new products uh, and things for the tabletop miniatures game itself, I think you're all going to be very happy. Uh, Song is not quitting anytime soon, and there's a lot of neat stuff in the hopper. That's, that's about all I can say as far as new stuff. Other than, you know, you look back <clears throat> over the summer and we released the Boltons, and I think they were extraordinarily uh, highly anticipated and very well received from what I've seen. And I think, as Michael said, at the Super Regional in Minnesota back in May, you know, that opens a lot of doors for how we can introduce new stuff to the game environment. And I don't think there's any indication that that's not going to continue in a big way very, very soon. Yep. And I'll leave it at that. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely excited for it. Uh, a lot. A question came up, not necessarily for you, but just a question I saw come across Facebook. You know, people speculating on what the next mini faction would be. Kind of hoping personally, it's Umbers. I know you can't say anything about any of that, but uh, you know, just with them being one of the first, uh, you know, sub factions, be cool to see them get some love. Um, you know, super yeah, excited so for that. Uh, Sorry, didn't mean to oh, cut yeah. you off. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. So there's so many, like, fan favorite, I guess you call them sub-factions or, you know, families within the game, uh, the lore that we draw from, <clears throat> that it's hard to, 
you know, one of my big complaints was that I was really anticipating the Greyjoys because for the longest time, the Greyjoys were my favorite house uh, in the lore. And I was like, great, the Greyjoys are going to be the last faction almost to come out. Like, that really stinks. <laughs> um, so I definitely feel the pain and understand if you have a sub-faction or a, you know, a group that you want to see come out. But I know we're working as quickly as possible. We constantly get requests for, you know, House Umber, get requests for Knights of the Veil, the Brotherhood Without Banners. There's a lot of content we can draw from. So I just say stay yep. tuned and hope your favorite's one of the first. But, you know, with the, the new Umber Cav, uh, you know, that was, you know, been spotted, uh, you know, I think I'll be able to have that hold me over just in case. So, um all right, and then people were asking about scenario play, missions, or terrain for uh, the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, is there any uh, anything in that category you're able to talk about? Yeah, we're actually um, doing a lot of study on what we can do with new terrain experiences in the game and how we can build scenarios around those and how we can represent those most effectively on the tabletop because <laughs> there's something to be said for the 3D terrain, just how it makes the table appeal look, but functionally within the game, it can be a bit of a nuisance. You know, everybody tends to play with the 2D versions of all the terrain features and things like that just because of how the, the stuff moves around on the table. So we're looking at ways that we can bring more landscape elements into that and keep them represented in a 2D way. Uh, and then innovate on new scenarios, um, new game modes, I guess you could say. I'm sure everybody's seen uh, what the fantastic um, Song of Ice and Fire Asia team did, uh, Vincent and Joshua, where they built the um, the three-list tournament format. And uh, we talked about that for a while, uh, early part of this year. <clears throat> and they started running that at some of their events. And then I believe uh, the guys from Sunday Slaughter ran an event in their local store using the three-list um, uh, tournament format, and it was very well received. So we're constantly looking for ideas like that and looking at other ideas internally, uh, whether it's increasing the number of points available, changing restrictions, emphasizing uncommon units, stuff that you don't see on the table every day. So, yeah, you can look forward to a lot of that in 2024 and beyond. It's funny you bring that up because uh, our we have my locals uh, um, in just outside of Chicago. There's also another big gaming group uh, up in Wisconsin, not too, too far. So we kind of go back and forth between each other's uh, tournaments. Not only is their tournament, the Wisconsin tournament, this Saturday – and then ours in a couple weeks, both of them are using that format this month, is the Cerberus uh, format. So only different Okay, being, so is, is that uh, the name the community has adopted, the Cerberus format? Uh, so the Wisconsin um, tournaments, they like to do different things like that all the time, team tournaments. Uh -huh. So theirs is a lot more all over the place. Ours, uh, we're not, like, adopting that one, but this, this month – is probably going to be a lower turnout because of uh, um, we had to do it on a Sunday. And because it's a lower turnout, we figured it'd be a good chance to kind of throw something fun in there. Um, uh, ours, 
will probably still remain to be the traditional two list 40 point, but uh, the Wisconsin uh, um, gamers realm is what it's called. They like to do a bunch of different cool events. You know, they're they're a bit more casual up there, which is awesome. Um, only difference is our Cerberus is going to be an escalation as well. So it's uh, first oh, okay. round is 30 points, second round is 40 points, and third round is 50 points. Um, so, but it's just funny you brought that up because uh, you know that you know that's exactly what we're doing this month. Um, all and right, that's, that's just, one of the things we try to we try to balance is, and we have a lot of internal conversations about that is representing things that are fun for the casual players who are playing a kitchen table or even at their local retailers, but in a casual way, but also balancing the needed, um, I guess, variety and tactical challenge that's needed for the competitive players. So it's it's a tough formula to, to hit the bullseye with, but I feel like the game is probably in its most balanced state yet. I mean, there's still a lot of there's work to be done all the time, you're never going to nail a game perfectly, but um, I think part of the formula <clears throat> for growing new um, new places uh, who don't currently support Song of Ice and Fire is to offer these fun new formats and, and ways that people can engage casually with it. Yep. Uh, and then uh, another question, kind of on a, a question that we already asked, I just kind of forgot that it was in there. Someone from the UK was asking uh, that in the future, because they were, they're, you know, I'm going to actually just read their question in the entirety, because he had a lot of praise for Ice and Fire, or for Simon, uh, so I don't mm-hmm. want the question to come off as negative. Um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> said, Adam is fantastic and really helped get Asmodee into gear regarding UK releases and delays. But myself and others in the UK are having a very hard time trying to get prize support for our events with little to no replies to emails. Could you please ask him if this will change and be easier in the future? It really helps to grow communities when the game creators help us with prizes to give to newer players and veterans alike. Many thanks. Yeah, absolutely, and I completely understand that pain point because, uh, frankly, a lot of that stuff and those requests come directly to me, and I'm trying to, you know, as David knows, trying to manage that with everything else going on. <clears throat> what we're working on, I can't disclose with whom we're working on it, but the effort with Asmodee is constantly ongoing. We're happy with them as a distributor partner. Things are going in the right direction, but we can all acknowledge that, Europe and the UK has been a particular challenge, especially for Song of Life and Fire. Some of that is due to Brexit. Um, some of it is just timing of containers getting shipped to the UK, um, amalgamating product in Asia. You know, like they may be ordering Song of Life and Fire stuff, but in such a quantity that they also have to marry it up with, uh, say, Marvel Zombies um, retail stock that's coming in. So all that stuff gets put into one or two containers together and gets shipped. That may cause some delays there, especially once you get into um, port logistics and things like that. But all that to say, things are improving with Asmodee, and we also have another partner solution we're contemplating and kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's on to make it a much quicker process 
for somebody to request prize support and then get it <laughs> sent to them. Um, one of the things I'm looking at possibly is the idea of generating a approved award certificate that can just be redeemed for prize support after the fact so that we're not having to send stuff out a month or two in advance of an event. It's the stuff that's relevant at that time, but then by the time it gets there and then the event goes off, it may be something that somebody's already bought it, you know. Um, so I want it to be good, actionable price support that somebody can then turn around and say, okay, well, I've got X amount of dollars USD in credit with CMON for Song of Life and Fire products. Let me hold on to it until, you know, the Umber Cavalry that we saw come out. I want to get two of those or something like that. So that's, that's another idea that I'm playing with right now. That's awesome. Uh, I definitely can't wait. Uh, you know, my shop is looking to get a bunch of that stuff in. Uh, I know my OCD, I've been waiting for, you know, the, the rulers and the, the dice bags and stuff just to <laughs> kind of say I have them all. But, all right, so this next question yeah, and, is going to kind of lead into a – oh, go ahead. Well, real quick, before we go away from that question is, um, you know, another piece of that equation is support staff and team here at CMON that's dedicated to it. Um, we have a huge plethora of design, development, marketing team, and everything like that, but I have gone to the bat for myself and for the community to say, look, we need some more support team directly focused on Song of Life and Fire, and I see the gears turning in that direction. So I think you'll see more. You may not see it immediately, like putting X number of faces to the song community and saying that's them, but hopefully you'll see it in the speed of responses and the state of things getting out and being communicated to the community through social media, direct emails, things like that, um, relatively soon. So I'll just leave it at that for the time being. All right. So it looks like Brett's going to be jumping on any second here, just in time for this next question, because uh, this next topic was one that he, he definitely wanted to uh, talk about uh, that he was really excited to, um, you know, discuss. So, uh, where is it? Oh, there it is. Um, someone wanted to know: Do uh, do you guys do open or closed beta tests uh, before the balance patches come out? Um, I guess they're. I, I'm assuming their main question is uh, more so. They just want to know if, like, you know, if a lot of testing goes into the um, balance patches or if, um, you know, or if it's just kind of on the fly? Well, we have um, our own internal playtest groups, and then we have a few select uh, external playtest groups that interface with our design and development team. So I don't want to get into, like, exactly how much, you know, playtesting goes on for each individual thing because I'm not qualified to speak on it. That would definitely be a Curry or Fabio question. <laughs> he could give a better idea of exactly how many hours each thing is uh, tested because he's the one that's focused on that constantly. I know it does happen. I know there are discussions going on about how we 
roll out updates and how those are communicated and then how they're codified and made official and kind of brought into the War Council app and things like that and what kind of timing there might be between, say, an initial sneak peek and then being codified as official. It's all up in the air, but it is being talked about internally, um, needing some changes. So I guess I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Hopefully that's not too much of a non-answer, but I, I don't want to get into specifics so that somebody can hold our feet to the fire if it doesn't happen a certain way that they expect. Yeah. Hopefully that's no, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I asked this question kind of, uh, you know, leading up to the topic Brett wants to talk about. Uh, he's kind of dragging his feet a little bit, getting on. Um, <laughs> uh, Come on, Brett. Jeez. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but he wanted to kind of talk about the state of the game, you know, where the balance is at, uh, you know, and – I'll kind of agree with him. Uh, he's he's probably going to say that you know the balance of the game is at you know probably the best it's ever been, and mm-hmm. I would say so. Um, no game's ever going to be perfect. I think uh, I think it, a lot of it comes down to a mindset. If uh, if you're always looking at the bad stuff, it can kind of seem bigger or more you know widespread than it really is, uh, but uh, I'm coming at it from someone who literally plays every single faction. Uh, you know, I may have favorites that those will be the ones I'll tend to lean towards at really big events, but casually, I almost play all of the factions evenly across all of them using all different hmm. commanders against all different yeah. types of factions because we have a um, our... Uh, our local is really like diverse with the factions. Um, we only have like a couple duplicates. I believe like our last two tournaments almost had every single faction uh, um, uh, represented. So with that saying, uh, I have a kind of a nice mixture of experience, knowing when you know some things are you know a little too strong or really strong. But it's you know I've never experienced anything that's so ridiculously powerful that it's like, well, you know, you see it across the board and you just, you know, you say, okay, you know what, good game. I'm not going to roll any dice. Let's just go have an early lunch. You know, it's, (laughs) I've never played a tabletop game with, with such, um, with such good balance that like almost anything has a shot uh, pretty much. You know, you, you don't even have to come to the table with, uh, you know, an amazing list to even win, uh, which I think is awesome. Yeah, and it's you know, that's a really tight needle to thread. Um, I think that the team has done a fantastic job, especially in the last, say, year, nine months to a year, to bring the game much to a much healthier state and kind of balance everything because the bigger the list of possible units gets, the harder it is to balance anything. Now, of course, we're not talking about a game balance on the level of a TCG or anything like that. Nothing's ever going to be as complicated as that. <laughs> but, you know, when you're talking about units, they can have attachments, they can have different commanders, they can have different interviews interacting with them and different game modes. It, it's, 
it's a tough job. And I think the the guys and uh, the team that have been working on it have done a pretty commendable job, all things said. There's going to be yep. stuff like, um, I guess, I guess the, the Golden Company swordsmen, they get out there and may need to, you know, the reins pulled in on them a little bit. But I know just from interacting with the team that once those were out in the wild, they immediately started looking at them to see, you know, is this reported feeling, is this actually what we're seeing in the stats? So, you know, I, I can, I think it's pretty safe to say in the next balance update, stuff like that will be addressed um, because there's too much talk about it going on for it not to be addressed. Yeah, and I've always, uh, every time new stuff comes out, uh, a lot of times I'll give my first impression based on just what it looks like on paper, and then I'll usually give another impression later on in a different show. And uh, in both in both types of shows, both in the based on just what it looks like on paper and after the fact, you know, I pretty much always say, like, I have faith that, you know, Fabio and Michael are going to, you know, do what they need to do to fix it, you know, that if it's really a problem that, you know, I have faith that it'll be fixed. And sometimes it takes a little longer than others, but, you know, there's a process to these things. And, you know, uh, the things that are maybe a bit too strong don't remain that way forever. Uh, and even like you were saying with the Golden Company Swordsmen, uh, yeah, they were pretty strong before and now, and they're taken all the time. I think mostly, though, it's just because they're a really reliable unit. You know, yeah. it's it's easy to play them. You know, it's they're reliable, easy to play, and I think that uh, goes into their selection as well. Uh, but to be honest with you, granted they're one point cheaper uh, than Flademen, I'm much more scared to see a Flademen across the table from me than I am a Golden Company swordsman. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about that last night, actually, uh, on a call. Uh, yeah, so I get it. I just, you know, and that's not to say that anyone is silly for taking them. They're still, you know, they're not something to scoff at, like, oh, man, you're running those. Like, they're still really good um, now, before and now, the you know, with the new update uh, to them. Mm-hmm. But even with the new update, I still, you know, if I see a Flademan, I'm still a <laughs> lot more scared of that because I can't tell you how many times that they do, you know, all it requires is a good roll on their attack dice with those crit blows and then hitting you, you know, or, and then getting through if you have, like, bad armor. And then you crit, uh, you crit fail your panic for another four wounds. The, yeah. the panic part is something you, like, never have to worry about with the Golden Company swordsmen, you know. Right. They don't have anything. Like, they don't have intimidating presence. They don't have panic tokens. They don't have vicious. And, yes, you could maybe give them one of those three things, like, with an attachment, but you're not getting, like, all those three things like you can easily get with Flademen, meaning that the damage that a Golden Company Swordsman has to do is straight up sheer number of dice, uh, which often can be enough, but I'm a lot more worried about that okay, I'm charging it with six dice, I just rolled three crits, now it turned into nine dice, which is only one less than the Golden Company had, and now here's this minus 
three, four panic tests doing extra wounds. Yeah, I'm personally still a lot more scared of Blade Men than I am. <laughs> I think it should be that way. It's very thematic. I think <laughs> I think the biggest, if there is a problem, quote unquote, with uh, Golden Company Swordsman is exactly what you said. It's that they're a reliable unit. And for me, you know, people in the gaming industry, we always talk about uh, player agency and how many meaningful choices a player makes in a game. And for me, that, especially for tabletop miniatures games, that player agency phase needs to extend into the, the preparatory phase of the game. And it needs to be a difficult choice to choose between the Golden Company Swordsman and Unit X from each of the factions. You know, that needs to be a, well, I get this if I go this way, or I get this if I go this way. It needs to, that needs to be a point of player choice and player agency as well, not just what happens on the tabletop. So we do actually have Brett finally. He uh, he took off his uh, his bib and came to join us. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Brett, yeah. just to catch you up real quick, um, we're talking about uh, you know the game state. Uh, we were just talking about Golden Company Swordsman and how you know Simon uh, uh, does some pretty good changes uh, and they always kind of get to things that are a problem. Some may take longer than others. Uh, and then I brought up the comparison of Golden Company Swordsmen to Flayed Men and how personally I hate seeing Flayed Men more than Golden Company Swordsmen. They still make me a little more scared. They're a lot harder to play around in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think they addressed Golden Company Swordsman pretty quickly. Um, that's still a point of contention for me. I I genuinely don't really think that the Golden Company Swords were, were like that overpowered before. I think that them being good has forced the game into a good spot. Um, I think a, they're at the backbone of a lot of that. Um, that said, they they very they handled it really well. They did it with a lot of finesse. I think a lot of people were afraid that they would, you would see them get just nerfed into the ground. And it's funny that you mentioned Flayed Men because Flayed Men were super popular like that before. And then the, the things that they did to Flayed Men were very subtle. They didn't take away what made them strong, what gave them their true identity. They just made them less attractive for factions to take unless they were running Bolton, like they were running Bruce or Ramsey or something. Um, so they did a really, really nice job with the Flayed Men. They've done a really nice job here with the Golden Company Swords. Um, I think a case could have been made even before this change that Golden Company Swords weren't always the best. Because what happened was, you know, speaking in game terms, Adam, uh, you you had something that was clearly powerful. Golden Company Swords in a vacuum, unchecked, with no condition tokens, no canceling effects or anything like that, are crazy good. They are just crazy good. But what ended up happening, we developed a meta that's kind of like a, a half offensive mixed with some level of defense, like super tanky defense and healing. And then you also had a ton of control. So that's why I felt like Golden Company swords were not as overpowered as people thought, because when you stripped yeah. all of their abilities away, their raw stats weren't that good. They were easy to kill. Versus I was preaching units that have a natural three-plus defense and a five-plus morale preferably, you know, those are the units 
you, you can strip all of their abilities away. They're still three plus defense and a five plus morale. They're still hard to shift. With Golden Company Swords, you take their defensive bonuses away, you take Iron Resolve away, and you can kill them. So that's mm-hmm. that's how I felt about that. But I think they're taking Iron Resolve away was a very, very, very good way of handling it. And then switching the Thundering for rerolls all the time. You know, some people are saying, oh, it's a buff, it's a buff. It's really, it's not. So the problem with Golden Company Swords before was they were an armor breaker, but they were also a, a super unmovable tank, so they did too many things. Now they're not going to break armor. Even with the rerolls, you're going to send them into defensive units that have staying power and healing abilities. They're not going to break through them. I don't care what the math numbers say. You can plug it into an app that tells you how many wounds they should do. But dice are different. Three-plus save, we know this from, from Champions of the Stag. A three-plus save is so much harder to break through than a four-plus because of the, the just dice. It's just dice. Yeah. So that's why cost were so good when they were two plus five plus because you would take thundering and it's like well matt says i should be doing three wounds but i'm no you just you just do like one or two it's, it's the dice math dice and treacherous i yeah that's why i play so many euros in my personal gaming time oh yeah because the europeans so, they they would tell you if, if they if you could take any variable out of the game, that would be the game that they want to play. They want absolute. <laughs> they want they want hard, solid facts so they can crunch the math and know exactly what's going to happen, and they want to be able to calculate all of their odds. Um, yeah, that's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. Talking to the guys in the German community, they shared that with me, and it's absolutely the truth. <laughs> so, Brett, uh, um I know this is mostly like kind of the topic you wanted to talk about. Was there uh, was there something that you kind of wanted like to ask or mention about uh, the state of the game, or a question you wanted to ask uh, Adam about it? Not necessarily a question. I think I just I really wanted to come on here and be very complimentary because the the developers are are handling all of this 2021 stuff. You know, season one, two, three. They're handling it with a lot of finesse. They're doing a really nice job. So they're just doing very subtle changes. And it's like when season one came out, yes, we had Mance. Mance was completely broken. We all know that was, you know, kind of a thing. But outside of it, people would have agreed that the game, hey, this is a very good state of the game. Season one minus Mance was the best the game's ever been. Well, then you go into season two. And season two was the new best that the game has ever been. Now, I, I think even looking at the numbers on a Song of Ice and Fire stats, you take the numbers with a grain of salt as you want, but I can tell you I've played this game, and a Song of Ice and Fire stats has existed for a long time, and I've followed it. The numbers have never looked this good. I looked at them today, and it was like the top faction was a 17, and then there were, I think, five factions all within five five. ELO points of each other. That has never, ever, 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 ever been a thing. Not ever one single time has that ever been a thing. This is the best the game has ever been. And I think a lot of that is coming on the back of the developers being so careful with the changes. They're not, they're not swinging a pendulum. They're making small, measured, incremental changes. They're monitoring what happens with the game. They're monitoring the data. They're listening to the feedback. And, yeah, I just wanted to say I really appreciate it. And you should, uh, you should let them know that it's it's paying off. 
You're always going to have. Yeah, I'll pass them on to them if they're if they're not hearing this firsthand. I'll definitely pass them on to them because I, you know, a lot of times when it comes to balanced discussions and minutia and the rules, I have to recuse myself from it because I'm like, guys, I'm not. That is clearly Michael and Curry's uh, zone. I I do not have the balls to step into that game personally <laughs> like that, that is my, I would never question anything they do there and I think that's paid off uh, from the rest of our leadership for our company not questioning what they do there and giving them time to balance this thing out um, you know like we were talking about earlier that's a, that's a lot of variables to balance and to have it as good as it is now it's never going to be perfect but to have it as good as it is now um, I think it's a pretty big victory for those guys it is, and the, the state of the high level, like the nationals level um, tournaments, is telling is telling the story for itself. Nobody needs to narrate it, right? You don't need me to yeah. be the narrator here. I don't have to put any spin on it. It's what it is. When you look at those top finishers in those big big draw tournaments, you have never in the life of the game seen so much faction spread, so much faction representation. You know, in the past, it's like whatever faction is the most dominant go into a very competitive event. All of the competitive players are taking that list. I'm going to pick on Mance again. When Mance was so broken, like six, seven of the top ten were all Mance players. And they're all playing basically the exact same list. It's just this no-brain, you don't die, push forward, and you win Mance list was what was dominating sure. that aspect. Well, now you go look at the top ten, and it's like, hey, there's six or seven factions in the top ten. And, and it's a, a lot of times it's like two or three spots before one repeats. And it's not, it's not repeating itself in that sense either because you've had some, faction, some that were won by Greyjoys, then you had a bunch of Night's Watch towards the top. Then you had mm-hmm. Night's Watch up at the top with Lannister, and then you had one that was kind of dominated by Free Folk. And then it's like, but it's, it's fair. It's looking good. There's not... There's not some list that you can build and just bring it to the table and, and push in and win. That's not the way that the game's being played right now, and I think it's awesome. I'm so happy with the state of the game right now. Good, good. Hope we can keep that up with all the new stuff coming. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely second that. Um, I think. Uh, you know, as I, I already mentioned it, but, you know, it was before Brett got on, you know, every game, no game's going to be perfect, and there's always going to be things that are a bit too strong, but uh, I think it comes down to, like, a mindset of, you know, looking at the game at, at a, as a whole, because if you're always looking for the things that are a bit too strong, you could find, like, you know, a handful of things, and if you focus too much on them, it can seem like it's a lot more than it really is, and it can seem like this bigger problem than it really is. Well, that's life in general. You know, I try not to focus on too much of the bad stuff. There's plenty of it out there if you want to focus on it, but you're going to have a yep. much better time if you just sit back and enjoy the enjoy the ride. So. Exactly. Uh, Brett, was there uh, anything else you wanted to add to it, or...? Well, just just as far as the game state goes, I think it's, again, you know, it's really encouraging. It's nice to see the game looking balanced the way that it's looking for somebody jumping into the game and and looking. I think if you go to five different discords, you might get five different answers on what's the best way to play right now, what's the best faction to play, what's the best list archetype to play. You're going to get a bunch of different answers because 
that is the correct answer. The answer is yes, they all work. Yes, this works. Yes, this works. Yes, this works. There's not one one ring to rule them all. That's not a thing that's happening in the game right now. And I think it's you've got a very nice, like I said, you've got a very, very nice mix of just all-out hyper-aggression. The game has taken a, it's not even a big step. It's just a small, subtle step with a number of things coming together. And I totally underestimated how well it would come together when I saw the pass token mechanics and some of these other things. I was like, well, you'll probably see people, maybe they'll try seven activations. Maybe you'll see a six here and there. It's definitely kind of come to fruition. Like, I don't think eight mm-hmm. activations is bad by any means. It still wins events. But seven is valid. Six activation lists are winning. And then you've still got the nines and the tens and threefold that are still competing. So yeah. there's, there's a number of ways to play the game. There's a number of ways to skin the cat. That's always been true to some extent, but it's never been as true as it is now that there's just there's such a nice mix of control. You can go full control and defense. You can go full attrition. You can go control with offense. There's some different combinations that you can pull right now. I'm having I'm having a lot of trouble myself, like doing meta prediction and getting myself ready for LBO. I'm going to be at LBO playing. And I really don't know which direction to go because there's something they're calling it like a, a, a rock paper scissors type of meta. I mean, it's really not. It is to an extent, but it's rock paper scissors except for you can always outplay. That's the best thing about this game is that. It's always been true. You can always outplay your opponent, even if you're into a bad match. And so, man, I don't know. I'm really gushing about it, but I just hope they stay with this direction. I hope they stay with this direction because we've seen the we've seen the extremes, right? We've seen 1.6 where the decks were just absolute gas, and it was like you're killing stuff in round one. Some, I mean, round two maybe at the latest, but there's you're killing stuff in round one. Now you went from that to this the polar opposite in 2021 and a little bit into season one where you couldn't kill anything and neither one of those are good. And so I think they're finding a middle ground now where, yeah, you can play a style where you play objective. You're just not going to automatically win because you have bodies on the table and, Oh, well you can't outkill me because there's no offense left in the game. Well, they brought some offense back and I think it's a very good thing. It's a very good thing to have the game very balanced. I think if you go all in one way, you can be very hard countered. I think it's about building a balance and, and making that work. Very happy. That's it. I'm going to shut up now. I'm just really gushing. I'm just super happy. Super happy with the well, I mean, it's super good. Happy. It's good to – I mean, it's been a long time coming. I think we, you know, taking out the, the pandemic and all the disruption it had, we could have gotten here a lot earlier, but I'm happy to be here now, and I think the game is – hitting its maturity level uh, at the right time. And, you know, we, we talked before you joined about possibilities for the future, uh, new units, new factions, things like that. And I just don't think there's any end in sight for how we can grow this community and grow the game in and of itself. So it's good to hear. Yep. Yep. And then that's just it. You know, it's, it's all on, it's all on the players, the communities, but there's definitely, I'm glad to hear that you guys aren't running out of IP stuff, but I don't think that was ever really a concern. I think there's plenty of creativity and, and plenty of ways to shake things up, but it's just, man, it's just crazy. Just a, a little bit of a neutral shakeup and, and one mechanic added to the game, and it's 
I, just, I can't say enough good things. It was such a breath of fresh air, man. <laughs> and it was it was all so subtle. Just amazing, amazing. Well, that's the great thing about working with boards and then, and then working with Jim um, is that, you know, with the designers were given that license from the get-go to say, yeah, stagnites weren't definitively a thing in the books, but we can conceive how a group of knights would want to follow Robert's example and, you know, don the antlered helm and everything. Um, so it's there's so much we can do, so much we are doing, so much that I'm sure hasn't even been thought of yet that can still happen. So, yeah, we got a lot of runway left. Yeah, that's that's a great point. It's actually one that I wanted to kind of bring up at, uh, is, you know, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they're like, oh, what else could they do? And I'm like, you realize most of the units in the game are technically just names. Like, you know, like uh, Stark Sworn Swords. And this isn't a knock by any means. I, you know, I like the names and stuff like that. But, you know, for example, a Stark Sworn Sword isn't a thing in the books, but yeah. can be a sworn sword. Like, anyone could be a sworn sword for anyone. Um, or just simply calling someone, you know, a Stark Bowman. I mean, that's just saying you are aligned to the Starks and you have a bow. You know, so yeah, exactly. the, the 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 sky's the limit for what you can do because I can't tell you how many times people are just like, I don't know what else they could possibly do, and it's like they, I mean, <laughs> if you're if it's your job to sit there and think of what needs to be added to the game, you know, you have a lot of you know, there's a lot of time. I mean, you know, you it's your job to do it. You yeah, there are major areas within. There's major areas within Westeros that we haven't even touched yet. And it's like, yep. how can you think, what can they do next? Uh, what, you know, what can we do next, I think, is the question that we ask. Yep. And, you know, and they or even a, a little more complex of a problem, even though the first isn't even a, a really a problem. And they're like, oh, well, characters, eventually you run out of characters. And I'm just like, you know... If they can make uh, Shire Arrow a thing, you know, you could probably have another, like, ten hero boxes for each faction. <laughs> well, not um, just that, but looking at, looking at Western literature and, the, you know, <laughs> for all the innovative things we see in the Song of Ice and Fire literature, it's still a whole bunch of hero's journeys compiled together. And a hero's journey is all about change, right? So... Yep. Met, or, um, uh, John Snow is not John Snow, the same John Snow we met at the beginning of the first book. And that can be the same thing in the game. You know, John Snow evolves and changes in the literature. He can evolve and change in the game. And then you take that across all the different characters that are on these hero's journeys. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff we can do. Yeah, well, I mean, a perfect example is, you know, John Snow... Uh... The free folk, Jon Snow, you know. Yep. Uh, or even, it can even be in the same faction. Like, uh, you know, Jamie, I think, is the next perfect example. There's, what, four different Jamies uh, all yep. in the same faction? It's not like, you know, imagine if you timesed every character by four, how many more hero boxes you would have. Like, 
I really do believe the sky's the limit, and anyone that thinks like, man, what else can they possibly do? It's not really looking at the big picture, uh, and you know, for the you know, every one of us has a busy life outside of gaming, and only so much time to think of what they could possibly do. But if your job, eight hours a day or however many hours a day, is to literally sit there and think of what can you add to this awesome game, you know, you'd be surprised at the probably pages and pages of concepts and ideas you can come up with. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, and on top of that, you have to consider that we've constrained ourselves to the time period after the death of Robert. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if I'm, I could be, I don't even know if it's something you can uh, talk about, but the, uh, uh, the game is constrained to after the death of Robert, but at no point has Simon ever said that you can't go before that, right? That's just the theme that Simon has decided upon at this moment? It's never been said, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't expect you to. But um, <laughs> but with that said, uh, unless you had something else to add, Brett, uh, we can kind of roll in. That'd be a perfect uh, segue into the next topic. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty good talking about the state of the game. I think the, I think I got the message that I was trying to get across pretty well, so I'm happy to move on. Awesome. Uh, so the next uh, part is uh, the must, much anticipated uh, talk about A Song of Ice and Fire Tactics. So we're just talking yeah. about the, the time constraint uh, or the time frame of after Robert's death, uh, Tactics has shown us a bunch of cool tidbits of Robert Baratheon himself and the Battle of the Trident. Uh, we do have a lot of questions pertaining to that, and I know uh, I've already made this disclaimer to a lot of people out there. Um, they're very limited on what we can kind of, uh, that Adam can kind of discuss for various reasons, and I'll let him get into that. But um, a couple of questions I think I might be able to ask uh, is, is there an official day for the Kickstarter? Uh, not that the, that's been communicated out yet, but you guys should know it relatively soon. Okay. And another yeah. question was, uh, someone had asked, what do they mean by the Battle of the Trident? Uh, that one is a little more ambiguous. What do you mean? What do we mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, here, let me, maybe I, I'll pull up the actual uh, question in case. But um, I assume they're asking, I is it the Battle of the Trident or a Battle of the Trident? <laughs> um, let's see. questions I gotta sift through. Um, I mean I can just speak to it a little bit in generality while you're looking for that. You know yep. I think there's naturally a lot of questions about well what is the scope, uh, what can CMON produce, what are we gonna see? And I think if any relatively intelligent person looks at the stuff that came out of CMON Expo Bangkok uh, that we teased, and then stuff that's coming up, you're going to see very quickly the scope has changed in innumerable ways, um, such that this game is going to be 
so much different and a different look at the characters we all know and love, but in an exciting way that it coexists along with the tabletop miniatures game. So. Um, so I couldn't find it, but uh, let's see. Now, is it is there any has there been any confirmation on um, like a timeline? Uh, like, uh, for example, uh, how um, the current game is Robert's death and after. Does this one have any sort of restraint like that one does? Um, nothing that I can confirm yet, and like I said, I think anybody looking at the stuff that's teased and will be teased very shortly will quickly understand how we're approaching this. I think that's all I really okay. want to say right now. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to spoil any <laughs> any cool, exciting surprises and things like that. Because at the end of the day, yeah, you guys are all engaged with the Song of Ice and Fire through the Tabletop Miniatures game, but this is a Kickstarter campaign, and we have to keep the hype up, and I don't yep. want to spoil any of the fantastic work that the art department, the marketing team, the designers, developers, art executives are putting into making this such a huge and special campaign for us, and I think you guys got a little bit of a teaser of that with the Drogon miniature, um, but there's, Hard to call it a miniature, there's so much in but, store you know. that you guys can <laughs> Yeah, I think Eric Lang started calling stuff like that bigot, bigotures. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the term, the term he coined for our Cthulhu Death May Die, uh, Cthulhu statue. Uh, so maybe we can call Drogon a big issue. <laughs> um, so the, let's see, there's five more questions. I'm going to just kind of roll them all into one, just to say I threw them out there, because I'm pretty sure all of these are not ones that you can expand upon, but I do just want to at least say I, I said them. Um, they were, people were curious about the point value, uh, the size and type uh, of the boards, um, how like how they're going to look like, what exactly mm-hmm. the giant Drogon does, whether or not he is a just like a section of the board or if he like is an actual miniature. Um, not, uh, let's see, oh, this one we covered, the um, not limited to a single point in time. Uh, and uh, game mechanics. So, again, I'm sure you can't really expand upon any of those, but just for the sake of saying I mentioned them. Well, yeah, and I, I can expand a lot, but what I can say, and this is kind of a, a commitment to you guys here uh, from Small Council, I'm happy to come on as things come out and talk about what I can talk about. I absolutely love the chance to get to sit down and talk to you guys in this way. So anytime you guys want to have me on with plenty of notice, I'm happy to come on and, you know, maybe we can make this a semi-recurring thing up through the, the Kickstarter or something like that. And then I'm sure Curry or anybody else would offer the same kind of um, deal out there. But I guess the best thing to say is I can't say a whole lot at this point because even on the mechanics, you know, there are certain things that are still being tweaked and things that you'll see in the Kickstarter once the campaign goes live that, will be what they are of them, but they were not those things right now. So there are still little tweaks and things happening because we'll have a Kickstarter campaign and then there'll be X number of months between the campaign and release. So <laughs> yep. there's a lot of time there. Yep, and I think uh, 
you know, a lot of people, you know, understandably are super excited and want to know more. Um, but kind of like you were saying about, you know, not ruining the hype of the Kickstarter, that's a great point. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people on Kickstarter, you know, they are like so overly excited that sometimes it can kind of, it can turn into, you know, I don't know how to put it nicely, but they can get kind of mean sometimes when, when, uh, you know, they feel like they're not getting more and more. I think it's almost just the yeah. just the downside of society itself, where we're always being hit with that dopamine of the next awesome thing being revealed. And Simon mm-hmm. does a great job of that. With I'll just throw Marvel Zombies uh, as the most recent example uh, that I can uh, think of. You know, there is an insane number of stretch goals, but not only that, there is the da- daily bugles which was just an automatic once-a-day reveal of what you were getting for free. Uh, and even after all this crazy free stuff, people can still feel like they need more or there's they got to have this or that uh, or feel like um, they're getting gypped somehow because uh, of some scenario. I won't go into specifics, but uh, I think, you know, <laughs> to get back to my original point, though, is like we – you know, not to like step on toes of, you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that it's not like your main project or anything for the Kickstarter and all that. Definitely don't want to take away from those guys that are like working hard to build the site, you know, the the page, uh-huh. uh, get all the stretch goals and all the things to hype people up um, so that, you know, it, it's understandable that there's a lot that can't really be said because for everything that's said here is a small tidbit that's taken away from, from that team. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And I think one of the the biggest things that I wanted to do, and honestly, like this will not even enter the area of possibly being my baby until the product actually releases. Then it kind of moves into that brand management role where, I get to go, you know, talk to you guys, see what kind of OP events and things like that you want built around the game and how we can have it coexist along with Song of Ice and Fire Tabletop Miniatures, which we have years and years of plans for. And that kind of segues to, like, my main concern in this whole process was just making it very clear to the team in Asia who was going to do the sneak peek and have that great honor and responsibility to do that was we have to make it very clear that, this is going to exist alongside the Tabletop Miniatures game for years to come. It's not sunsetting the Tabletop Miniatures game. It's not affecting the development cycle. There's, you know, nothing like that. That was my biggest concern because right now that is my brand that I have to manage. When Tactics comes along, I'll be managing both those brands uh, together. So it's, it's a huge challenge, a huge honor. Um, I'm super grateful to be interacting with a community that is as passionate as the community that we have for it. And I'd rather have all of you guys <laughs> telling me all your worst little corner case irritations with the game than just not talking to us at all because it tells me you guys have passion. And, uh, yeah, uh, we definitely have passion on our side. And I know sometimes we get some things wrong. Sometimes we get things right. But, that's just how life is, and, you know, we're here for the long haul. So. Uh, that brings up a question. Um, you know, you're talking about, uh, 
you know, them being separate, it's not going to take away from one or the other. Do you know uh, if you're allowed to say is um, this is tactics going to have a different? Uh, I don't know if it was revealed in at uh, at that uh, of uh, expo or not, but is it going to have a different designer and developer than Michael and Fabio? Are they the same? And and will they have uh, the same or different play testers? I don't as, think anything as, has been said publicly. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but if it has been said publicly, I'll miss it, or I've missed it. So I think we'll wait until the Kickstarter to kind of talk about all that kind of stuff. Okay. Or as things come Sounds out, I'm sure, I'm sure those, I'm sure those teams will start doing uh, developer diaries and things like that in advance of the campaign. Uh, so once those start to come out, I'm happy to come on and talk a little bit more about those specific instances. Awesome. I'm super excited for it because uh, um, I actually missed the Kickstarter for A Song of Ice and Fire miniature game. Uh, I got into it like literally as everyone else was getting their Kickstarters in. So I yeah. started playing basically from the start of the game, but I just missed the Kickstarter itself. Um, so I'm excited to actually be able to be a part of this next one. Um, and then... Uh, for those that aren't aware of it, uh, you know, Marvel Zombies is uh, finishing up their distribution. I know it's kind of off-topic a little bit. I just want to throw it out there. Simon uh, uh, has uh, announced Deceased. It's the DC, almost the D DC version, though it is different in some ways that we know so far. Um, so definitely check that one out. I believe uh, that one is due in uh, like a week and a half is when the Kickstarter starts, give or take. I think it, it's on a Tuesday. I believe it goes live it, next Tuesday. Oh, next Tuesday? A little sooner than I thought. I think it's next uh, Tuesday. I have it on it's my calendar. Um, just to, I have it on my calendar. Just to, Yes, you're right. So on the 14th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, if I'm correct on that. I have it on my calendar to make sure. Uh, my goal, I'm, I'm trying to get, like, in the first 10 uh, backers, although I'm sure, you know, <laughs> by the time I hit the button, it's going to be like, you're backer 2,500. And <laughs> so. Well, at least make, uh, at least make the effort. We're excited about that. I mean, Mon, <laughs> I, lo I love DC, and I love the, the zombie side system that Michael has taken and built these cool new games into, but you know, my my real focus is uh, the Sidemen Over Song Tactics Kickstarter and then the stuff we have coming up for the Tabletop Miniatures game. So, like, I, I am over the moon excited about Tactics. Um, just looking at the art that our art team's put together, like, I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to get that on the table and start playing it with people. So, Yeah, same. Um, should be, should be I... I'm excited. Uh, I'm curious, like, how much could be in it, because um, if I'm not mistaken, they did, or that you even said that it was uh, compatible. Maybe you didn't say that. I don't know. Um, but I did I've not heard say that. that. It is I'm heard it's, I heard that it's compatible, uh, but that's just from Facebook posts. Um, mm -hmm. And when I say I thought you said that, I'm referring to not anything we've discussed before I'm talking about in the show. I know there's a lot of questions right. thrown at you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think but, I said anything uh, about that. I was very careful to uh, not address that, but it, it will. Yeah. everything will be clarified 
relatively soon. So you're not going to have to wait, you know, six months or anything like that to figure all this stuff out. And your patience and excitement will be well rewarded. Let's just put it that way. Awesome. But the I guess the question I was getting at would be, you know, if it is compatible in any way, uh, on top of it being a skirmish game, like, you know, how much there could be to even buy, you know, because uh, I guess I just think of, like, other skirmish games, you know. I'm I'm getting at the point that, you know, how affordable it's going to be. It's probably going to be so affordable uh, when you look at, like, a lot of other skirmish games and when you only need so many models, you know, it's mm-hmm. it just seems like, uh, like this will be a very easy um, game for people to get into. You know, it'll be a, a really easy entry point, especially if, let's say, you know, we get new people that aren't even really interested in the rank-and-file uh, version. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll be easy to uh, to get in that way. I think there'll be plenty of opportunities to move back and forth between them or to kind of exist as a player primarily in one and then dabble in the other. And I think it's being built intentionally to be that way so that um, – you know, people can engage with both of them in whichever way they choose. I think you're right. I think it's going to be uh, seen as a very, very affordable opportunity to gain tabletop miniatures in the Song of Ice and Fire world. But then again, really, if you're interested in one faction, the Song Tabletop Miniatures game that exists currently is very affordable compared to a lot of other games for the number of miniatures you get and things like that. So... uh, you know, I wish I could go, wish I could go in and tell all the stuff that I know about it, but <laughs> yep. um, yeah, it's it's going to be like it, it's going to be an easy entry for players to pick up off the shelf. On top of that, like the art, I I, I feel like I just rave about the art. I even reached out to our our senior um, artist and said, you know, this is an amazing job. It's going to look fantastic on store shelves. It's going to be eye catching, and I think that's what the brand needs to evolve into is a stunning walk into a store, see it, and your eye goes, what the heck is that over there? i got to go check it out. And I think we're I think we're getting there. Yep, I agree. Uh, Brett, was there anything that you wanted to talk about or ask about uh, tactics or just something you wanted to mention in general? No, I think I'm just kind of in the same spot with everybody else. I'm kind of waiting for it and uh, eager to hear some news. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely cool. Um, and the, the cost of entry, if it's low, I think, yeah, I think, I think Adam kind of just mentioned it there with the, the ability to cross over. It's never a bad thing. If you've got the reach, if you're bringing people into the skirmish game, maybe you play skirmish night one night a week with some of your guys and then you, kind of can trans- transition them over to the bigger game. Like, well, hey, let me show you this, uh, the bigger version, the rank and file version of this game. And, you you know, you might like that. And it, it could go vice versa. Smart idea. Pretty pretty well done. And I think just, uh, yeah, it's just a nice point of entry to get people. Because I always say with A Song of Ice and Fire, all you have to do is get people to play the game, and then it's sold. It sells itself. Yeah. You've just got to get someone in the seat to play. And I think the the tactics game being you know, a smaller scale, that could be exactly what's needed to get those get those people in the seat. Hey, you're already here. You're already playing this. Hey, I'll play this game with you. But after it, let me show you this game. 
and it, it's great. It's great for community building. Yeah, and actually, uh, we did not set this up before the call, but that is a great segue for me to say um, we will be at Adepticon and LVO this year in an official capacity, and I'd love to put out the call to your listeners for anybody who is interested in going and demoing for us. We're looking for a couple folks, possibly, um, to go to the event. Of course, you will not be able to play because you'll be demoing for us, but if there's anybody interested in that opportunity, um, please reach out to me at adam at cmon.com, and uh, we'll, we'll talk it out. That's spicy. Adam's a good boss. You should do it. He was he was my boss. <laughs> uh, demo, um, just to clarify, you're talking about demoing uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniature game, correct? Yes. Currently, okay. that is I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was just making sure you weren't, you know, going to teach everyone the, the tactics and then have them demo well, tactics. Well, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> if, I think you get a lot of people uh, volunteering then if uh, if that ends up being the case. <laughs> yeah, right now it is to show people the extant resistant game, uh, the tabletop miniatures game as it exists now. Awesome. And then when is uh, uh, LVO? Do either of you know offhand? Uh, let me see if I put it in my calendar yet. I've got it in my Asana calendar. I just don't know if I have it on my phone calendar. Um, one second. It's the middle of January. I want to say it's the 13th, 14th, 15th weekend, or 12th, 13th, 14th, but... Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't have it in this calendar. Apologies. Well, I'm not 100% sure right. when it is myself, but I'll be there. I'll be at LVO. Yeah, we'll be there with the sales booth and running demos. Um, so um, trying to evangelize the game to more players. Um, working with some other content creators as well on getting some official relationships set up. We're going into 2024, so a lot of irons in the fire, but hopefully you guys will start seeing the payoff from all this stuff we've been working on behind the scenes relatively soon. So before we wrap up, uh, the only other thing I wanted to uh, uh, ask about is, um, so things that already exist for uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, and by that I mean, let's say, We'll do something simple like dice, rulers, uh-huh. uh, bags. Is is that something that's in your wheelhouse or someone else's uh, that kind of like develops ideas of cool new things that could be given out as, you know, either in game night kits or prize support or anything like that? We do a lot of uh, brainstorming as a team. Uh, primarily right now it's myself, Rebecca, the producer, uh, Michael and Fabio, um, Vincent and uh, Joshua over in Asia. And we just literally sometimes we'll just have a call um, <laughs> at like 9 o'clock at night, my time, because they're in Singapore. And we'll just sit and, you know, throw out ideas because I'm always an advocate of there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Um, so we've got, like I said way earlier in the call, we've got a spreadsheet of line upon line of, stuff we're considering and looking at and just getting price quotes on the production, you know, is it going to be feasible to ship out? How will it live within a game night kit or a tournament sport kit or a giveaway at big events? Uh, there's tons of stuff in our list. 
So awesome. Yeah, I ask because the like number one thing I'm always excited about is terrain. I know the developmental side you probably can't really talk about. Um, but I've been really – I had Fabio on before to talk about it, and he even uh-huh. backed me on it. And I'm just – I'm so I'm still struggling to get people to embrace the fact that you can make your own terrain, your own keywords. It's right in the rule book. Um, yeah, it is. But if people are just so, like just, – they're just so stuck on that list that's already preset for them – uh, so we're actually going to be starting my local will be starting a, a campaign soon or like a um, a league. It's more like a league slash campaign. It's somewhere like in the middle, but I'm going to be introducing, trying to introduce terrain again. But uh, I know like uh, I worked with uh, um, playmats.eu, uh, not sponsored by them, but great uh, place to find some uh, 3D mat terrain that I, I gave them. Mm-hmm. The measurements so that I could get uh, get all the copies, but it'd be awesome even to just have like Simon mat terrain, uh, like neoprene mat terrain, or even if it'd be a cool way uh, if new terrain or keywords ever got added to have like a cool. Because I know you guys already provide that stuff in the starters, and that's kind of like the whole selling point of the game that you can kind of just pull it off the shelf and just play. Um, but it would be also kind of be cool to see like a uh, a terrain box that would be how people could dive into like new types of keywords and whatnot. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on our list of considerations because we know how much people are not just creating new stuff, but you know, giving higher quality representations of the stuff already in the game. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say. Just be on the lookout. It is not something we're completely um, against. So. Awesome. All right. With that said, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Brett? Any questions or anything before we kind of do the wrap-up? No, no. Um, just uh, kind of reiterate the biggest point, um, whatever, uh, whatever they're doing <laughs> to – the test and whatever they're doing to land on the stuff that they're doing, uh, keep it up. Um, it's looking, it's looking really good. Um, I know that some of the competitive players are kind of, you know, I hate to use the word, but they're kind of whining. Like they don't really like the state of the game right now because you have to attack and, and there's more aggression and things die. Like, you know, I've I've always said the game, even, you know, I'm a competitive player myself, and I've always said the game is, is always carried by not the, the very few hyper-competitive gamers. Um, it was very difficult to get people to play the game, really, and enjoy the game in these, these previous versions, in the, in the 2021, like, oh, well, so we're basically just going to sit and stare at each other and camp on objectives. It's really, it's very riveting. You know, people like to play war games because they like to engage. They like to have things die. There's nothing worse than playing that entire game and nothing, nothing yeah. dies. So just, <laughs> I just want to reiterate, it's having great effects on the game state and the game balance. Um, you know, I'm sorry for the, the hyper-competitive players that don't like the state of the game. Uh, you know, let the let the more casual guys have a uh, their time in the sun. 
Yeah, we want to we want to do stuff to make everybody happy. But like uh, a famous man once said, you try to make everybody happy all the time, you're going to fail miserably, or something along those lines. So, you know, we <laughs> do our best to keep a keep a decent balance and rotate the feel of things without really upsetting the apple cart. But um, yeah, if I if I ever did something that everybody was completely happy with, I I don't know if I'd ever leave the house again. all right um adam was there anything that uh, maybe you had on your mind that you um thought might have been asked that uh wasn't discussed or anything else uh you had in mind uh no uh the only thing i do want to say real quick aside from uh expressing my great thanks for you guys uh, offering to have me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about the game um is also that I sent it to a few people at CMOD Expo and U.S. Nationals, and it's looking like it's going to hold true. So we should have our entire competitive calendar for CMOD official events published mid-December at the latest for all of 2024. So you will not have the same experience that you had this year of not knowing where something's going to happen until a couple weeks out. So you should all be able to plan your travel for those of you coming in from overseas or folks wanting to travel to Asia, um, all of that stuff, we've committed to an internal timetable of having it penciled or chiseled in stone by the end of November and then communicated out within the next couple of weeks after that. So just be on the lookout for all of that, those details. Now, uh, I know at the Super Regional, uh, when they were talking about, like, all that stuff, um, there's, there's a bunch of different, like, I'll, I'll call them tiers, but a a bunch of different mm-hmm. types or tiers of tournaments this uh, schedule you guys are sending out what level of events or higher will be on it uh, it will have the generality of the regional qualifiers season uh, so the time period of 2024 that we want to run regional level events that qualify into the national championship then it will have the national championship um, slated in and it will also have uh, realms of battle as we look to expand that from what Asia is doing this year. Uh, we kind of tested it and are testing it in Asia this year and then looking to expand it out to other continents in 2024. So all of that ideally should be in there as well. So I would say everything from top all the way down to regional level events and, of course, we won't have signed up all the regional stores at that point, but you will know generally when regionals and national championship qualifier will occur. Okay, so that, that kind of hit the main question I was getting at is, you know, because I know this year a lot of people had to, you know, apply for a qualifying event. Um, I just wanted to almost selfishly ask <laughs> to see if maybe I I missed the window to get uh, my shop a uh a qualifying event for 2024. So that'll more have like a time uh, frame rather than like... Yeah, I expect to hear something like the first... I would say expect to hear something as a retailer, and then we'll also post it out in the Discord and things so you guys can push your retailers. But uh, we'll do a general call for people who want to run a regional qualifier um, in January, and then sometime a month or so after that, we would look to start running the regionals themselves uh, and then have a natural progression through the levels of competitive play throughout 2024. Awesome. 
And that, that's open to any, any international listeners that you guys may have. Uh, reach out to me. Happy to discuss. I don't, I'm fairly good at geography, but I don't know all like the, the cantons in Switzerland or counties in some of the other countries, but I'm happy to discuss helping them and supporting them build a regional structure to lead to their national championship as well. Awesome. So um, with that, we can kind of wrap up. Uh, you know, I want to thank uh, both uh, Adam and Brett, uh, both of you guys for coming on. Um, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, spending the time. I know, Brett, you uh, had some family stuff you had to pull away from. I appreciate that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I love uh, hanging out with you guys. Love to do it again sometime soon. Sorry it took so long to get this one off the ground, but uh, let's let's make it a recurring thing if uh, if people actually care what I have to say. <laughs> they do. No, Everybody I think. <laughs> yeah, any you know, you Michael, Fabio, anytime you guys come on, you know they they love hearing what you guys have to say. So. Uh, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later we can have you on again. Uh, we're really trying to push to get more content out on Small Council Radio. Um, for those that didn't listen to the last episode, uh, go check that out if you want some uh, very vague details on why I've kind of been out of the uh, podcasting uh, scene um, uh, for a couple months. Uh, but I am back and hopefully in, back in full swing of getting you guys at least one, if not two episodes a week. Uh, and I'll be working with getting my co-hosts off their butt to, you know, give you guys some content on weeks where I might be a little busier. Um, but, uh, with you know, with that said, again, thank you guys both for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I want to just give a shout-out to not only CMON, but all the local game stores out there. Uh, you know, whenever you can, uh, make sure that you're helping support them. Without them, don't have a place to play. Because playing it your, in your own basement is perfectly fine. I do it. But you're never going to really find new people doing it that way. You're never really going to give the game the exposure that it uh, deserves to help grow the community. So definitely be showing your support to your local. Try to buy from them whenever possible. Um, even if it means you're going to have to spend an extra 5 bucks. I mean, at least that 5 bucks is going to someone that you know rather than to some random person on the Internet. Um, so with that said, everyone, I appreciate you all. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here.